guys, there we go. So according to the U.S. Census Bureau, more than one in four children live without a father in their home. About 40% of children in father-absent homes have not seen their father at all in the last year. About 50% of children living absent from their father have never set foot in their father's home. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 2, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that where, so that you may also be where I am. Research done in America, they're so good at research, uh, say this, children living with involved, loving fathers are significantly more likely to do well at school to have healthy self-esteem, to exhibit empathy and good social behavior, to avoid drugs, skipping school, criminal, criminal activity, compared to children who live with uninvolved fathers in their lives. Children living without their father in their home are 47% more likely to face poverty. 54% more likely to be poorer than their father. Twice as likely to spend some time in jail. Children living with their father in their home are more likely to enjoy school, to be engaged in extra, extracurricular activities. They're more likely to get A's in school. They're 40% li less likely to repeat, repeat a grade at school. They're 70% le less likely to drop out of school. Some research was done a number of years ago, about 10 years ago, um, looking at indicators how to avoid poverty. So if you want to avoid poverty, a 92% chance of avoiding poverty for your life, does that sound good to you? If I offered you a 92% chance of anything, you'd probably go for it, right? Grab my hand off. You have to do three things. To stand a 92% chance of avoiding poverty in your life. Just three. Number one, you need to graduate high school. Number two, you need to be married before you have your first child. Number three, that first child should be after the age of 20. These are just statistical realities. They've taken all the stats, so they've just worked them out. It's not a feeling, it's not a judgment. They've looked at people who have avoided poverty and they've found out that 92% of those people have graduated high school, not degrees, not fancy, you know, ex just getting out of high school with a pass, married when they have kids, and the first kid comes after the age of 20. Now, if you haven't got a high school, <laughs> if you had a child before you were married, and maybe your child was, maybe you were young when you had that child, I've got good news for you today because, like Steve so well told us, that there is a father's hat. There's a father in heaven who looks after us and can redeem every situation. But let's talk going forward. All of those three presuppose a father in the home, don't they? Because you stand a greater chance of completing high school, not repeating a year, not dropping out of high school, if there's a father in the home. You stand a better chance 
of marrying before you have children. If there's a father in the home, you have a better chance of, of having children at the right time if there's a father in the picture. Exodus chapter 4, chapter 4 and verse 22, it says this, Say to Pharaoh, this is God speaking to Moses, Say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. Right back in the book of Exodus. Remember, uh, God created man in his own image, Genesis tells us. By the time we get to Exodus, second chapter, chapter book of the, uh, of the Bible, God is already introducing this understanding that God, the heavenly God, the divine, all creative God is wanting to be known to mankind as Father. I hope mankind's all right to you. These days it's supposed to say human kind, people kind. I don't know what kind. That's what we'd say in KZN. Let my people go, my firstborn son, that he may worship me. I think that's still the call of the Father's heart today. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Will you? Will you respond to the call to come and worship Him? I want to say three things this morning, just three points. Number one is God reveals Himself as Father. I thought, um, well, I got distracted by the tiara, but I thought Steve's break your bread this morning was very helpful, didn't you? Hat of a father, hat of a son, and the crown of a, a victor's crown, right? Did I get it? Yeah? Hey? There is a father who loves us, loves us so much that he held nothing back from us. There is a son, Jesus Christ, but then we too are sons. I thought it was so important what Steve said, that a son's responsibility is to respond to the father. A man by the name of Dudley Daniel, who was part of the formation of New Covenant Ministries, the team that this church partners with, um, he said in the, in, in, in the early days, as men and women began to gather and, and this new move of God began to take off. He says this, he said, My sons found me. I want to say to you that you, you can be mentored from afar, but you can't be fathered from afar. You know, an author can mentor you. And that's why we have to be careful whose books we're reading. Yeah, A podcast can mentor you. That's why you have to be careful who you're listening to. Yeah, but you cannot father at a distance. Yeah, the son's role is to put himself in the place of the father. I'm feeling incredibly tender this morning. I'm I'm thinking of my dad. I'm thinking that I am a dad. I'm thinking I have a son. And I am a son, son of my father and a son of my heavenly father, which is strange because it puts me and my boy, my son, on equal footing because we equally have the same father. I'm overwhelmed this morning as Steve led us at the different relationships that God the Father reveals himself to us in and wants to love us with. I want to say to you this morning, that the Father waits and watches. Like Tim said, 
and he comes running. When the sun just lifts his head and shows some interest. Let me come home. Isn't it amazing that this, the sun from afar didn't have to slink in in the dead of night, quietly, quietly, hoping that he wakes no one in the house. He made the initiative, but the Father was waiting. And we have a f- heavenly Father that waits for all of us. And all we do is just turn towards him, and he runs towards us. But it's our role to put ourselves in the place where the Father is. It matters what we think of Father. If I say the word Father, I'm wondering what you're thinking in your head. The pictures, the images that you see. The truth is, some of us have had good fathers, some of us have had poor fathers, right? It's just the sad reality of life. All of us have had some concept of Father. 20, 30 years ago, on TV and in media, the role of a father was a, a generally a, um, trying to think of the word, how to express this, uh, a respected position. If you think back to your early, depending on what age you are, think back to the earliest TV shows you, you remember. The dad was always like helpful in the home and the, the kids always respected him and he loved the mother and the mother respected the father. You remember those shows on TV, remember? 15, 20, 25 years ago, something shifted. Do you remember those sitcoms? The father was the fool in the house. The mother was the only one who could string two words together and balance a checkbook. I'm not saying anything about the moms. I'm talking about the fathers. And all of a sudden, dads became like the object of scorn in the, stuff, in the, in the culture of the day. It's important what we think of fathers. They say if you borrow money, you should borrow money from a pessimist, right? You know why? Because they don't expect to get it back. You see, it's important the definitions we have in our mind. You borrow from a person who you think will let you off. I remember years ago, a friend of mine in ministry made a decision in their church, a decision I didn't agree with. Now, so what? This is me. I'm sure you've got some opinions too. Maybe we do things you don't agree with. And I remember him saying, months later, we were chatting on the phone, and he updated me. He told me about the decision that that church had taken and um, how they'd rolled it out. And he said to me, I said, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I didn't know. He said, yes, we knew what you would say, so we didn't ask you for your input. (laughs) Have you ever gone to the Father like that? Say, Lord, I just want to get away with this. So I'm not going to ask you because I know what you'll say. Lord, I want to hate my neighbor today. (laughs) Maybe we're not honest enough to say that. We just hate him anyway. Lord, I I can't forgive today. So I'm not going to ask you to help me because I know what you'll say. It's important. The concepts that we have in our head as to the people we relate to. And God reveals himself to us. His Father. Jesus calls God Father more than 100 times in the New Testament. Imagine what else He could have been known as. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Creator of the universe, the Omnipotent One, the All-Knowing One. We could have used all sorts of fancy titles for God. The Bible uses so many of them, but it overwhelmingly calls God Father. And God wants mankind to know Him, not just as omnipresent, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful God, but as 
Father. You see, if we know Him for all those achievements, but we don't know Him as Father, we actually don't know Him at all. It's a radical, powerful idea that God reveals His name and His nature to His creation. It's a powerful idea in, in religion. Going back into the, the early times when, when the Bible was written, it's, it's a foreign concept that the Creator, the, the divine being, quote-unquote, should take time to stoop to reveal Himself to His creation in a way that the creation could understand. He reveals his nature. He paints a picture that's familiar and accessible to all mankind. Even if you had a bad experience or, or an absent father, you understand what father is and what you dream it could be, right? It's an accessible picture. It's not, you know, we can debate the theology and the doctrine, but actually I know what a father is. And you can ask me, well, where is heaven and, and what kind of throne does the Fathers sit on, and we can debate those kinds of things, but I know what a father is. Not only does he reveal his nature, but he reveals the nature of the relationship that he wants with us. The concept of father, Jamie Kate, does not exist without children. Isn't it interesting that in some ways, hear me carefully, he is a you see, I'm just a man until I have children. Then I become a father. See, we were just a couple until we had children. Then we became parents. And God is best revealed in his relationship. His nature is shown in his interactions with his children as we understand him as our heavenly father. One who's approachable, who listens to our requests, who provides what is best, who always cares for his children. Let's look at some of these Old Testament passages. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, capital letters, that's I am the God. And I will make, take you as my own people and I will be your God. Isn't that amazing? God of all creation says, I will become yours. In a sense, the creation has an ownership over the divine. Isn't that amazing? I will be your God, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Deuteronomy 14 verse 1. It says, you are the children of the Lord your God, for you are a people holy to your God. Out of all the people on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possessions amazing he could have chosen i don't know the rhinos <laughs> or the dolphins they're quite important to people today we're all saving the planet god could have chosen anything he chose human beings psalm 103 verse 8 the lord is compassionate and gracious he is slow to anger and abounding in love he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As a father, he has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Number one, God reveals 
himself to us as Father. Number two, he reveals us as his children. Psalm 68 verse 5 says, A father to the fatherless. That, as I've prepared this week, has been the scripture that has rung in my ears. A father to the fatherless. He can be to you what you do not have. A father to the fatherless. A defender of widows. <laughs> a defender of widows. Uh, ladies, you're not just significant because you're married to someone who's a husband. God himself says, I will be a father to the fatherless and I will be a defender of the widows. As is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families and he leads out prisoners with singing and the rebellious live but the rebellious live in a sun scorched land isn't it amazing god reveals us as his children that not, he uh, he sets the lonely in families he doesn't put them in groups he doesn't put them in organizations he doesn't put them in programs or even in duties he places them in families what makes a family Original design, father, mother, children. Now these days you can, people argue about what is a real family, you know. And you can argue the fact, the ideal father, mother, children. You know why this is so beautiful here? Because God puts the lonely in families. Not in churches. Not in programs, not in groups, not even in homes. He places the lonely in families. The best part is you may not have inverted commas a father. We all have a father and a mother, right? Biologically. Maybe the rest has been a problem for you. But here, in this house, you will find fathers, you will find mothers, you will find uncles and aunties, you will find more than enough brothers and sisters because God puts the lonely in families. His plan for all his people is family with one father. And his church is revealed as the family of God. That makes us brothers and sisters. That speaks of three clear things. If we are family, we are blood, right? Which means we share the same DNA. You know, you can... Cut me off, you can stop talking to me, but I share your DNA. Sorry for you. Yeah? Therefore, we work it out. We work it out. I have told the story many times that I'm the youngster in my household, and I was that kid in the house. Particularly me and my brother, we would fight. Yeah? We could fight and fight and fight. My brother could kick me out the house. My father could disown me. Sorry for them. He can't change my genes. They can force me to live somewhere else. They cannot force me to, they cannot make me no longer part of the family. So in this family where the Father has placed us, sometimes we stand on each other's toes. Sometimes we let each other down. Sometimes my rough edges rub your rough edges. We complain against each other, but we have the same DNA from the same Father. Therefore, 
we work it out. So we have blood. Number two, we bear with each other in love. We forgive and we, forken, we, we forgive and we contend for. We bear with each other. Yes, it means I'll listen to your stories and you'll listen to mine. Number three, we build each other up. So God reveals us as children. The other amazing thing, uh, Esther said this the other day, and I, I loved it because uh, it so stirs me, the revelation that Esther has around this. You know, that he's called us, he's made us all children, but more than that, he's given us all the rights of sons, even the daughters. You see, sometimes culturally, Bible times was quite patriarchal. We know that ladies didn't have a great opportunity culturally. And that's why it's so radical when the New Testament comes along, the place that women have in the kingdom of God. And it's so shocking that in the New Testament, Paul says we are all sons. Even the daughters are sons. I hope that doesn't offend you. It's a, it's a, it's a legal um, uh, quality. Yeah? It's like we can all be car owners, male or female, right? I have a title deed. It means I own a car, right? So I might be a man or a woman if I belong to God as his child and he is my father. Then I have the rights of a son. God makes us heirs, whether we male or female. We get the same inheritance. It's radical. We spoke about the prodigal son. The old son was supposed to inherit two-thirds. The young son was supposed to inherit the leftovers. And the girls got nothing. And God says in the new covenant, No, I'm your father. You're my child. I give you the rights of sons. Everyone gets it all. No second-class citizens in the kingdom of God. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, it says, There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. We're not talking about gender issues here. I've heard people quote, oh, you see, there's no male nor female. This is a legal passage talking about legal rights as inheritors of the Father. Legally, there is no difference between a male or a female in the household of God. goes on to say in chapter 4, verse 4, But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. You notice it doesn't tell us who it says. Those under the law. That's everyone. Yeah, We have the full rights of sons. God honors women as much as men and make them equal heirs. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? You have an inheritance from the Father. He reveals us as children. So first of all, He reveals, us, reveals to us as all with the rights of sons. The second thing I want to say as under children is that we all suffer from separation anxiety. You know when a little kid, for the first number of years, when the parent walks out the room, they have no data to know whether the parent is coming back again. That's why they scream. Yeah, can't tell time yet. So they have no concept of, is the, Lord com- is the father or the mother coming back again? Yes. You know how many Christians scream and perform the same way? Lord, I don't see you right now. Have you left me? Are you coming back? Have you abandoned me? Will you ever return? Will you feed me or is this the end? Called separation anxiety, yeah? 
I, lo- I mean, these guys that have had the mic this morning, all of them have taken all my scriptures. It's so wonderful. But the prodigal son, the prodigal son, he thought he could do better. <laughs> and I have to say, most sons do, right? I heard a guy say, you know, when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, I, um, I thought my father was a fool. By the time I reached 22, I was amazed how much he'd learned in such a few years. Isn't it interesting how we as children insist that we know better than our Heavenly Father? I felt we'll pray when I finish, but I felt this morning that we need to recommit ourselves. Steve said it. We need to recommit ourselves to the Father's plans for our lives and His leading, His working with us. For Jesus, that plan was the Garden of Gethsemane. being prepared for death. And you might be saying, Lord, this is looking dark. But will you choose His will over our own? Because it looks dark, but Jesus turns it, a Father turns it around to bring life for the Son and freedom for everyone. No wonder we struggle when we are far from the Father. Amazing, that boy took his bucks and he ran and he kicked his heels and he thought how he clapped his hands together, thought how clever he was. Hey, I lived with my father my whole life and see how good it is without him. Ever thought that? Ever felt that? I have. Look at me. Here I go. Woohoo. It doesn't take long for the story to play out. A child needs a father. And when he returned, it's just beautiful. You know Sigmund Freud? Remember him? So-called father, uh, Yvette, father of modern psychology, psychiatry. He had this concept. He said what we as Christians would call, would call our conscience. He, he, had this con- he had this concept. He said when this thing inside of you makes you feel guilty, it causes emotional and psychological distress. So his solution to that was then you just do that thing that makes you feel guilty as much as you can and so you 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 trying to think of the right word you you beat your conscience into submission so that it no longer plagues you anymore remember when you did that thing you thought oh i shouldn't have said that i shouldn't have done that yeah a child to a father goes to the father and says, Father, I'm sorry. Please help me. Strengthen me. Help me, Lord. Put my, your hand on my shoulder and help me to get this right. The alternative is, I'll do that. I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it again. And eventually that voice will get quieter and quieter. And if I try hard, I can ignore it. But we live with separation anxiety that is real. You want to know why you don't do well when you're far from the Father? Because we are created as children who need a heavenly Father. Think about this. The times in your life when you are most happy. Were you closest to or furthest from your heavenly Father? Not because I'm telling, telling you. Ask yourself. When things are going well with you, where are you? Are you in the house with your Father? Or are you far in the pigsties because of your decisions and your choices?
Finally, number three, you then. <laughs> Steve read it. Matthew chapter 7, ask and it will be given you. You humans, you people who give good gifts to your sons and your daughters, how much more would the heavenly Father give good gifts? Luke chapter 3, uh, verse 9. Oh, sorry. Uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 22. Let's move on. Let me finish with this. There are two times in the scriptures where God the Father speaks over Jesus the Son. The first there is when he's baptized by John in the Jordan River and this voice from heaven speaks and he says, You are my Son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. The second time is when he goes up on the mountain with the three disciples and is transfigured. In other words, his human disguise is taken off and they see him for who he really is. And they hear a voice the second time saying, This is my son, whom I am, have chosen. Listen to him. In those two statements, God, gives, God the Father gives God the Son three things. He gives him dignity. This is my son whom I love. He gives him identity. He's my son. I've chosen him. Isn't that beautiful? He's not just my son because of biology. Ah, you know, they say you can choose your friends, but you're stuck with your family, right? I want to say we're not just family, but we're chosen family members. He gives us identity. There's this personal exchange, and he speaks of destiny. Listen to him. Listen to him. There's a role, and the beautiful thing is Jesus had done nothing yet. Other, other than go to the Jordan River. I want to say to you, fathers... Because then what of us? Fathers, can we commit in our biological families to pour dignity over our children? To give honest praise, not just to tell them stories. Oh, you're the best, you know. We've raised a generation up until now. We've raised a generation of children who think they're best and they deserve a participation prize even when they didn't turn up. Yeah, You actually weren't good, but you were so good. No. Honest praise. My girl, my boy, come on now. You did well. You can do it a bit better. Father, not my will, but yours be done. You can do this. Positive pressure. <laughs> you can get through. I'm with you. We'll get through together. Identity, man. You're mine. You can run from me. And you can go to that other place, but you're mine. You belong to me. Before you've done anything, you're my son, you're my daughter. And then destiny, we prepare them to love Jesus, we coach them in, our, in their gifts, we teach them to rely on the Father. This morning, how are we doing for time? Great. This morning there is the offer of the Heavenly Father. You heard Tim say, maybe you've got lost like the sheep who just wandered off and realized, man, I don't recognize my surroundings anymore. Maybe you got lost like the coin. You know, in the busyness of life, something slips through the cracks. You suddenly realize, wow, where's that thing gone? Where's the presence of the Father gone? 
And thirdly, like the prodigal, maybe you've chosen to leave the Father's house. There's an opportunity for you to come back home this morning, to feel the love of a Father directed just at you. A Father who calls you beloved, well-pleased, before we've done a thing. And so, Jesus, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts. The Bible says that God in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. We thank you, Lord, that you loved us so much you didn't even spare your son, Jesus. You sent him to the world. You put him on the cross that my sins and these folks' sins would be forgiven, that we might be children of the living God. I pray this morning, Lord, we would rise with a sense of nobility because I am a child of the King who is my Father. I pray, Jesus, that we would find ourselves in your hands knowing, Lord, that a father makes good plans for his son and his daughter. I pray this morning, Lord, that even if it looks dark in the valley or bright on the mountaintop, we would commit ourselves to your hands. We know that you have the perfect plans for us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you have placed us in a family, that we would father each other, we would brother and sister each other, we would uncle and aunt each other, that the relationships inside your family where you place us, Lord, would build us up, would point us to Jesus in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks.